Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. But somehow Elijah couldn't seem to see the good through the bad of one threat. Jezebel could not do anything to Elijah. If she really, truly could have killed Elijah, she'd have sent a warrior, a soldier, with a spear to run him through. But she knew she couldn't touch him. So she sent a servant, a lowly servant, with a note. And it was enough to strike fear in the heart of the man of God. Like I said, Elijah should have read the message, heard the message, however it was delivered. And said, you go back and tell that wicked queen, you want some of me too? Come and get it, because I got something for you. I mean, it is totally blowing my mind how someone who is walking in all these miracles could turn tail and run knowing God backed up everything he said. Think about it. He went and told the king, it's not going to rain till I say so. He was miraculously fed by the ravens twice a day. We figure for at least 18 months. When the brook dried up because there was no rain, the brook dried up. He still said, God, you're the one who said to come here. And here I stay until you tell me to go somewhere else. The word of the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go to Zarephath, for I commanded there a widow to sustain you. So he gets up and he goes to Zarephath, about a three-day journey. Gets to Zarephath, the widow woman, not complaining, she's just explaining, as we studied last time. Look, I only got enough cake for one or enough flour and oil for one cake. That's it. That's all I got. And Elijah says, make me some first, and God will bless it. And it will not run out. And she did, and God did. And they stayed there for another year and a half. At some point, 
Uh, during that time frame, the widow's son caught a disease and died. And God listened to the prayer of Elijah and brought breath back into that boy. I mean, Elijah should be walking on cloud nine. Knowing he needs to watch his words because whatever he says, God's going to do. God now sends him back to Ahab. Ahab's, oh, here you are, the one who's causing all this trouble in Israel. And and Elijah still rebukes the king. He's not slowing down one bit. It's not me, it's your fault, joker. Now, king, here's what God wants you to do, and here's what I'm telling you to do. Elijah telling the king of Israel what to do, and the king is doing it. Go, gather all the people together. Bring them up to Mount Carmel. Go, get all the prophets of Baal and bring them to Mount Carmel. Go, get all these other prophets served by the queen at her table and provision. Bring them as well. The prophets of the grove. What does Elijah do? I mean, uh, what does Ahab do? He doesn't. He is following the directions of Elijah. He calls fire down from heaven, consumes not just the sacrifice, but the altar and everything around it. And he sees all the people publicly confess that Yahweh is now our God. We will serve him. Then he prays for rain. God answers his prayer, sends the rain. Then God says, I want you to go run faster than the chariot back to town. And God supernaturally makes that happen. Elijah should be standing strong in the face of this threat. Instead, what's happened, we covered some of this last time, he killed at least 450 of these prophets, probably slew 850 total because of the prophets of the grove. And He's seen the blood. You kill 800 people in one location, there's some blood on the ground. He's seen these maimed and desecrated and, and, and mutilated carcasses of bodies and all the blood. And he's probably covered in blood as well. And he was probably a sight when he got back to town, running all that way with sweat dripping through the blood, dripping off his body. He gets into his house. He takes a quick bath and starts to clean up when the knock comes to the door. And it's the servant. And he gives him the message that within 24 hours, you're going to be just like they are. And in this mental image, he sees what a gruesome sight that he was responsible for. And the devil whispering in his ear, you're going to be just like they are. And he's seen the blood in his clothes stained and There's probably blood all over his house where it was dripping off of him because of the sweat. And this mental image is what he holds in his mind and not the fire coming down, not 
the birds feeding him twice a day, not the provision provided for him with the widow woman, not raising her son from the dead. So he turns tail and runs. That is what Elijah is looking at in his mind. And that's what happens when we allow fear to override our faith. Just like Peter in his water walking uh, debut. Amen. He was doing great as long as he had his eyes on Jesus. But when he became distracted by the wind and the waves, he began to sink. You know, we covered this a little bit, oh, several, several sessions ago. But our rabbi, Jesus. And how disciples are called to be like their rabbi, their master, their teacher. And they seen Jesus walking on the water. Peter, as a disciple of the Lord, said, Well, if I'm supposed to be like you, Lord, call me to come to you. I'll walk on the water too. And Jesus, loving this statement of faith, says, Come on, boy, get out of the boat. And Peter climbs out of the boat and is walking on the water, being just like his rabbi. And then he turns and probably looked back at the boys in the boat who are still in the boat, said, Peter, what are you doing? It's a storm out here. We're, we're not even supposed to be in a boat in the middle of this storm, let alone out of the boat walking on water. What are you doing? We don't walk on water anyways. And he hears their testimony. He sees the wind blowing, the waves slapping him in the face. And he takes his eyes off Jesus. And it says he begins to sink. It was not, I mean, if you and I got out of the boat trying to walk on the water, bloop, I mean, you're down quick. This says he began to sink. And it was slow enough that he could call out to Jesus to save him. And Jesus walked over to him and pulled him up. So it was not a bloop type sinking. It was more of a gradual lowering as his faith level was being weakened by what he was seeing. Amen? And that is kind of the same situation Elijah's in. But instead of this slow lowering of his faith. He turns and every step he takes on the run, every day he's on the run, is weakening his faith little by little. Because all he's thinking about is the threat on his life that has just been made. He's not thinking about all of the miraculous provision that God had given him. He's not thinking about that testimony. He's thinking about the threat on his life. 
He's thinking about the images that are in his mind of all these prophets, 850 of them that have been killed. He's thinking that he's going to be just like one of them if he don't get as far away from Jezebel as he can. And the only place that he can think he can get to is to the mountain of God. And since he knows, well, I just lost the battle. I lost the war. I may have won several battles, but I lost the war. There's no way God can use me now. So God, just take my life. Get it over with. You kill me instead of them. You see, our ministry in this world is much like Elijah's. Sometimes we feel like we're the only ones left who are really standing for God. That everyone else and everybody else is out to get us. Much too often we long to say with the distressed prophet, Lord, that's enough. I can't take anymore. But take comfort in the fact that when Satan increases the intensity with which he tries to inflict us, that could very well be your good sign that you are stepping hard on his toes. Amen. In fact, Jesus tells us to rejoice when we're being persecuted because of his namesake. Praise God. And we learn from the Reformation... Persecution seems to breed faith in amazing volume. Amen? I mean, the day and time we live in right now, we are protected in America to an extent. Those days are rapidly coming to a close. But as of right now, the today, the day of this broadcast, the day you're hearing this, Christians as a whole in this nation are still protected from the persecution that they're facing elsewhere in the world. I've seen one estimate that just in the past dozen years or so since 9-11 that there have been estimated 300 million Christians martyred for the name of Christ. 300 million. That's almost every man and woman and child in the United States of America. But yet, our government doesn't want to acknowledge it. Our government does not want to say that all these Christians are being murdered and we're going to put a stop to it. Why? Because of oil? Because of money? Because they're trying to encourage the one world government? All those are yes. The answer to all those questions is yes. Because this is the last days. We are living in the last of the last days. And all these things must come to pass just like Jesus said. Amen. We are living in the days the Bible talks about as a sign of the end times. Which means the soon return of Jesus is very, 
very near. Amen? It could happen before I close this broadcast in just a couple minutes. It could happen before work tomorrow morning. It could happen on the way home from church today. We don't know when. We only know it's happening. Jesus likened it to a woman about to give birth. The pain and the, the intensity of the pain will increase. The frequency of the pains increases until they're happening one after another, nonstop. But the baby hasn't been born yet. The husband puts his wife in the car. They start driving to the hospital. It is a, say, a 15-minute drive to the hospital. Although he may be going a little faster than normal, he still feels, I can get my wife to the hospital in time. But we hear stories all the time on the news about, you know, the baby decided to come before they were at the hospital. They thought they had more time to get to the appropriate place to receive that baby into the world. But the baby had other plans. All the warning signs were there. The labor pains had started. First one, little one, followed several minutes later by another little one. Those were the warning signs. Take heed. They're still waiting it out. It's not time yet. And then the labor pains start getting a little stronger. Coming a little closer together. They should get in the car and go. Well, we'll just wait. Then the water breaks and the pains, they become very intense. And they're starting to happen really close together now. Agony, screams. Well, I guess it's time we need to get ready to go. What you think, Gertrude? If Gertrude wasn't in so much pain, she'd probably haul off and punch her husband for making her wait this long before they even tried to walk to the car. But even as these labor pains are intensifying and the frequency is coming closer together, they still feel they have enough time to get to the hospital. Praise God. Hallelujah. So away they go. But the baby has a different thought. The baby decides it's time to come now before they're ready. And folks, that's what's going to happen with Jesus. We see the problems happening right now. We see the labor pains intensifying. Every problem is a lot worse than the one before it. All of these problems are beginning to come closer and closer and closer and closer together. And people think they still have enough time that they can, quote-unquote, get their life right 
before Jesus calls us out. You see, what we could relate to the breaking of the water is the rapture. When Jesus says, come on out, my people. Some people think, well, I don't believe in the rapture. I believe we're going through the tribulation. Well, rejoice if you want to. Either way, the labor pains are there, aren't they? And if you deny that the intensity and the frequency is not increasing, then you're just like the husband who tells his wife, look, uh, just hold off till the end of this movie. It's a good movie. I want to see the end of it. Let's not go to the hospital yet. And the baby will determine the time. Just as Jesus is waiting for the Father to say, now is the time. And if you're not ready, if you are not prepared to receive Jesus, then you will face the complete reality of your true spiritual condition when you are least expecting to have to face it. Elijah felt the need to make a long journey to try and find that kind of faith that he had before along with some comfort and reassurance. And as with an exhausted, bruised, bleeding boxer who longed to hear the bell ring so he could go to his corner. That's what a lot of people are looking to in the world today as well. You know, I can't remember the boxer's name. I really don't follow boxing. When I mention this incident, a lot of you will remember, and I'll probably get emails with the name, but remember when, I think it's Roberto Duran, now that I'm thinking about it, when he had taken such a beating and the bell saved him from going down, he went to his corner and he told his handlers, that's it, I'm done, no more, no mas. He said, no mas. The doctor and the referee came over to check on him. And he just shook his head. No mas. No mas. He goes, no more. I'm done. Even though he came back later and recaptured his crown and, and still won more fights in his career, he is not known for that. He is only known today for giving up and saying no mas. No mas. No more. I'm done. I quit. That is what we see with many Christians today. They don't want to take a stand for Christ. They don't want to fight the battle anymore. Believing that God is more than able to bring them through whatever the world may throw at them. Their faith is in their own ability, not the ability of God Despite all the things God has brought you through to this point, you still think it's your own power that gets you through. You don't remember all the times God lifted you up and turned you around and set your feet 
on solid ground, as the old gospel hymn goes. Amen. In this world in which we now live, we desperately need a lot of corner time where we can just sit on that stool for a minute, take a break. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I need a break. God understands that. And he will give you some water to quench your thirst. He'll wipe your brow. He'll mend your wounds. But we do not need to make a difficult journey to some faraway place. You know, we don't need to say, I need to go to a mountain and just get alone with God as high as I can climb so I can be near God. You can go to the top of Mount Everest to seek God and all you're going to get is frostbite. You don't need to go as deep into the woods as I can get, get away from everything and everybody just so I can be alone with God. You can do that in your bedroom and close the closet door. God is as near to you wherever you are at as the next word out of your mouth. Amen? When we need God, He is as close as your Bible. That's where I was on January 25th, 1992 in a little empty apartment room in Columbus, Georgia. I'm not going through. We're almost out of time. When I called out to God, I need you. And my scripture reading for that night was Psalms 34. When I got down to verse 7, it said, This poor, the Lord has heard this poor man cry and shall deliver him from all his trouble. That I was seeking God and I had his word and I found God in his word. My life changed from that moment on. Amen. God, if you're seeking God, you don't have to run anywhere. It's as close as his word. Jesus is as close as your confession of faith. Amen? You know, when we are finally reassured, and we finally get encouraged, and we finally get in strengthened, God will tell us what the next step is, just like he told Elijah. Now go back. Because until the Lord returns, it's our responsibility to help draw attention to that gentle whisper that God is putting in other people's ears. Amen? He may be using you to whisper his word as a word of encouragement in someone else's ear. And if he doesn't call you to give that word of encouragement, he may give you the prophecy to declare publicly to the king and whoever will listen, Thus saith the Lord your God. And then you just say and you do what God tells you to do. But before that can happen, you have to have that relationship 
with Jesus Christ to be born again. That's how we started this whole thing, to be born again. The greatest miracle that ever happened is when you were born again. And if that hasn't happened to you yet, join me in this confession right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come to you this day. I believe you exist. I believe you sent your only son, Jesus, to die a sinner's death in my place. And now, Lord, I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, create in me a new man, one that loves God, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. You pray that for you. Email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org and be blessed in all you do. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.